Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Arsenal Agenda series for a bumper morning show. Uh, I'm joined by four guests. The top four must be on. It's the biggest sign you've seen so far. Um, do drop a like on the video. Do subscribe if you're new. We do these shows every morning, Monday to Friday, 9.30am. I'm joined by Bailey. You right, mate? Yeah, I'm good, TC. How are you? Very good, thank you. Very good. Chris, how are we doing, fella? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. Pleasure to be with you all this morning. Absolutely. And busted into the party, it's Guy. You all right, mate? Yeah, I couldn't avoid not being involved this morning, lads. So, uh, yeah, sorry for gate crashing late on, but yeah, no, pleasure to be with you. I feel like there's something that you really want to get off your chest or something like that. <laughs> no, just, no it's, 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 we've, been, we've been so long without kind of a game and it just just wanted to get on this morning with you guys to kind of just just chat through what's going on with the Arsenal, albeit we've not obviously got a great deal going on, but we've still plenty of topics to get into. Absolutely. Uh, and we're going to kick off with a debate that has raged between two of football Twitter's biggest components. <laughs> Piers Morgan and Gary Lineker discussing whether or not David Beckham gets into the Arsenal Invincibles. Obviously, we've got to have our say. Um, Guy... Does he get into the... The question was the squad, to be fair, not the starting 11. Uh, Piers says no, doesn't even make the bench. What's your thoughts? No, I think he'd probably get into the squad, but I he wouldn't get into the 11. I mean, I, probably going back to 2003-04, I suppose tactic, uh, tactical analysis and formation breakdown probably wasn't actually as thorough as what it is now. And if you look at that team, probably played more kind of a... A four-two-two-two is that right? Yeah, not putting too many players on the pitch there. Rather than a, a flat four-four-two with Jumberg and Pires very much kind of advanced wide attacking midfield players, um, which wasn't Beckham's game. Beckham was very much a, a right midfielder needed someone going around him and overlapping. And whilst Lauren did do that for the Arsenal team, it wasn't really his main responsibility. He was defensively assured first and foremost. And Jumberg used to get in the box and, and contribute goals. And obviously, even a couple of years before, we kind of saw how good he was in the, the, the final weeks and months of that 2001-2 double winning season uh, with the red hair. And yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he's not getting in, in ahead of Freddie for me. Chris? Yeah, I agree with Guy there. Um, I think maybe getting into the squad, obviously Beckham was a, a quality player, but you think of the quality that we had in that Invincibles team. And I mean, look, looking back, why would you, why would you change anything um, and uh, and um, put Beckham in in the mix as well when we already had all that quality in there? And it, you know, they, they're the Invincibles. I mean, you can't get any better than that, really, can you? So. Um, Look, there's no doubt in Beckham's quality that he had as a player. Um, and obviously, he started off a, as a really talented youngster and he only got better. He grew into one of the best players in the world. Um, but in terms of that Arsenal team back then and that Invincible squad, we had several players who were the be best players in the world at, at that time as well, who were doing amazing things that haven't been achieved since. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah, I, I agree with Guy there and... Perhaps Beckham gets into the squad, but nothing more than that, really. Keep the uh, the whole star and 11 the same. Bailey, are you going to break the mould and disagree or not? Uh, it's, it's, it's a full house for me. I think uh, he gets into the squad, but not the uh, star 11. I don't think we needed his... I don't think he gets in the star 11 purely because we had all these strengths already. I think we had a good set-piece take on Thierry Henry, who's good at free, free kicks. Sorry, we didn't need the deliveries because I don't think we had the out-and-out out number nine. 
to to deliver the ball into. I think, of course, Thierry come from the left and Bergkamp was more of a deep deep line player. So his deliveries wouldn't be a, a necessity. And I think Lundberg's goals, knack for goals, is more important on the right-hand side. I think that's a very underrated trait for a midfielder. So as my friends say from the Arsenal way sometimes, David Beckham or David Beckham. Uh... <laughs> He's been waiting. He's been literally waiting to get that in. I mean, the listeners don't even know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think one point that's worth raising though is, is Sylvain Wiltord. I mean, he, at the time he was yeah. a club club record signing thirteen million pounds, and just looking at the stats there, he only actually made twelve Premier League appearances in the two thousand and three four season. So actually, I suppose the argument for Beckham even not getting in the squad would be he would be pushing Wiltord out of the squad, who could play through the middle as a striker and wide on the right, which actually maybe there is an argument. I'm not saying Wiltord was a better player than than David Beckham, but certainly for mm. having a tight-knit squad and being versatile and being able to play in, in many positions, actually, um, that's the case. And I suppose Ray Parler was still kicking about for the yeah, 3-4 season, so yeah. exactly, he could he, he could cover the central midfield and, and the right-hand side. So, actually, I might go back and say, no, I'll, I'll stick to it and say Beckham, Beckham wouldn't get in the squad because our squad, it was perfect. We went unbeaten. We didn't uh, need to change it. I I I disagree. I do. Like, I I think I phrased the question when I wrote it in the piece for FL yesterday was that does one of the best passing players of all time get into one of the best passing squads of all time? It's. I, I think he gets in the squads. I'm not saying he starts during that 0304 season. He was with Real Madrid, and I was looking like at what he was doing. And to be honest, he was playing in central midfield for Real Madrid that season. He was playing next to the likes of Guti and Aguero in the middle, and I, I think that that. That position was locked down without a shadow of a doubt by Gilberto Silva and Vieira, as we know. But beyond that, you had Edu, who, you know, do very decent player, very good player, technically gifted in that. But I do feel like Beckham would have given him far more, you know, far, far more as cover for central midfield, especially in maybe games where during that season, like say the Portsmouth game towards the end of the campaign or um, the Birmingham game, I think it was, you know, where we really tried to trying to struggle to get towards the end. Games in which we were struggling to break the opponents down and you can maybe use a Beckham in the middle alongside a Vieira or alongside a, a Gilberto just to give you that bit more incisiveness and, and break down the opposition. I think he definitely would have got into the squad and given us more than an Edu or a Parla. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. The 11's perfect. And that, there's no one that I would exchange for that starting 11 uh, of the Invincibles. But I I I just feel like saying he wouldn't even make the Arsenal bench is a bit strong, <laughs> considering how good of a player. Did he, he have the was. physicality though to play in central midfield in the Premier League at that time? Because Gilberto, Gilberto and, and Vieira were absolute machines mm. when they petit before Gilberto arrived as well. I mean, I mean to be fair, it's splitting hairs, isn't it? Like you say, yeah. absolutely world class talent. I think you'd find a place for him in the squad, but yeah. Um, yeah, Look, if Jumberg was injured and you told me I can either have Beckham or a 31 year old Ray Parler at right, <laughs> I know who I'm picking. Like, yeah, 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 the greatest yeah. of respect to Ray, but you, you know, about Silva though. Come on, that was, uh, was the initial shout. Yeah, I know, but I, I just I don't think that I, I don't think I'm picking Wiltor over Beckham either. Sorry, mate. It's just, just no, 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 no. I, I agree. I was trying to offer the offer the defense. I know. Package. I know. Anyway, let's uh, you know fast forward time uh, and get back to present day because a really interesting story coming out yesterday from Brazil, sticking with Edu, um, just to get that nice segue in there. Edu, again, not failing because we don't know how much Arsenal will for him for this guy, but young 17-year-old Savio has been linked with Arsenal for a number of weeks now. 
Uh, also interesting, the Red Bull group who've got their own team in Brazil, and we very much know the likes of Salzburg and Leipzig too. But Manchester City have uh, supposedly come in now, 6.5 million euros, which is a very similar figure to what we paid for Martinelli. And it looks like Man City will be netting uh, this youngster and bringing yet another young Brazilian in as well. They've already brought in the likes of Keiki, etc., to, to really bolster those young ranks. And then the idea is that he'll be sent on loan to PSV Eindhoven, according to Fabrizio Romano. Bali, do you think that you would have expected to see more success in the Brazilian market, considering Edu's been here since, what, 2019 now? Yeah, definitely. I feel like we have been signing Brazilians, but not from Brazil or South America. It's not like we're signing unearthed gems like Martinelli. I think Martinelli's the only player. We've been signing Brazilians, but from around Europe and even in London from Chelsea to Chelsea side. So I'm a bit surprised because, of course, Eddie worked for Brazil and the national team. He's in and around mm. there. So I'm surprised he hasn't, you know, had any links there, had any ties where someone can give him the heads up on the players up and coming. Arsenal can get the first dibs on him. But... I am surprised because now we're seeing City. They signed Julian Alvarez, of course, from Argentina, and now um, and now this and now Savio as well. So, Man City looks like they've got the the head on head they above everyone with their with their movements across from South America. It worked with Gabriel Jesus, who's who's flying now, and I'm sure they'll get a healthy profit from him when they do eventually sell him one. So, yeah, the Man City model is very good, and it's, sometimes it's hard to compete because it feels like they're doing everything perfectly and uh yeah of course we have edu and it's a shame we can't use his of course his cv what's on the cv to take advantage and get cheeky and uh stew transfers in city have just brought in that julian alvarez as well from river plate too from south america like you look at the talent they're able to bring in because and what's funny about city is that they they do these deals for these small figures like we all associate city chris with these huge massive transfer fees but you know on the on the side they're doing these little deals bringing in talent bringing them through they've, they've seen the success of foden cole palmer looks another real talent coming through their academy and they've brought in kqs really highly rated from brazil and now they're looking to get another young brazilian in do you think that we are missing a trick by not trying to get these types in or do you have enough faith that there's enough talent already coming through the academy well, I, I do have enough faith that there's, there's already enough talent coming through the academy. We know how talented Hale End is and, you know, the consistent amount of numbers there is coming through the academy, having opportunities with the first team. Um, obviously, we've got several at the moment that are in and around the first team or uh, very close to sort of getting more opportunities with them. But then, then again, it's important to always be proactive um, in the transfer market and keeping an eye out on hidden gems as Bailey mentioned a moment ago, you know, we've obviously look at the success of the Gabriel Martinelli transfer that happened a few years back and no one hardly knew anything about him when he joined. And, you know, he was playing sort of in, in the lower leagues in Brazil, but he's he's been fantastic. You know, he has the attitude, he has the talent, he has the potential, he has the quality to to make it in the Premier League, which he has done. And He's still developing, he's still growing. And I think he can be a really, really important player for us, not just currently, but moving into the future in particular as well as he continues to his development. Um, I, I think he won't be the last, though, when it comes to sort of players coming from the lower leagues in Brazil or even the main Brazilian leagues. I, I think we'll get more through the door. We may even see, even see something happening on that front come the summer. I know in January we were linked with a Brazilian midfielder as well, central midfielder. Forget his name, forgive me. But, uh, not that one. Danilo. Danilo, that's the one. Oh, Danilo. Um, 
And Matthias uh, Martinelli as well. Uh, I remember from Fluminense, another Martinelli, Matthias Martinelli was also linked with Arsenal. Mm. Yeah, so I think, you know, there's, there's, there's without a doubt players that Edu is keeping an eye on and his recruitment team, it, it, as we all know, he has strong connections in that part of the world as well. So I don't think Martinelli will be the last sort of young, talented um, hidden gem um, from South America to come through the door. I'm sure there'll be more. I suppose the only thing is, you know, when we talk about these these young players who, of course, are talented, they have a lot of potential. I mean, I think the focus in the summer has got to be bringing players in who are going to come into the first team straight away and, you know, have an instant impact. We, we talk about the striker positions, essential midfield area as well. We need to, obviously, we've built up a very young, talented squad that the main process of that happened last summer. Now, I think moving into this summer, it's really got to be about adding two, three top quality players who are who are really going to complement some of those players we brought into the summer really nicely and, and boost our chances of going on to bigger and better things next season. Um, I mean, I suppose, you know, if we're talking about players who maybe don't, you know, aren't going to be regulars, but are going to have a similar role to Nuno Tavares, maybe at this right wing back role and the cover in Tommy Asu, um, we could then think about maybe young talented a Brazilian player who who's got a lot of potential but maybe isn't ready for you know to play every week for example but he's good enough he's got enough potential enough talent to, to be a rotation player so I think that's sort of the way we've got to go down when we are looking at more South American players in the future. Uh, Guy Vinny in the chat says Edu hasn't leveraged his Brazilian connections at all I'm really disappointed in him they are one of the best footballing nations who should be trying to tap up the next big starts. Do you think that Vinny's got a point or do you think that Edu's had kind of his focus on the first team and those six signings we made in the summer and, you know, work on bringing in youth and exciting talents has kind of been put to the back seat a little bit with how much we've needed to improve the senior team of late? Yeah, I think Edu, I think we should cut Edu some slack on this one. He's clearly unearthed the talent and seen, seen the potential of the player. I think maybe we're behind and where we're lacking. I mean, there's so many things at Arsenal to get us back to being a Champions League club and, and competing with Man City on and off the pitch that we need to do and build the club. Now, is it a case of this lad's looked at it and as you, you've mentioned there, there's already a plan at City of sending him out on loan to Dutch football and there is that pathway and they've proven through a number of players with a number of loans or fast-tracking them through to the first team. The pathway is there. Now, whilst we've given a lot of chances to young players, I would argue a number of them have come straight through the academy, Saka and Smith-Rowe in particular. The one who obviously has come through in, in Gabriel Martinelli probably arrived at the ideal time for a wild-card selection to be given a chance. Now we're getting back towards trying to push for, for Champions League football. Is there really the space in the team, the squad, to give a 17-year-old a, a, a chance straight through coming in in the door. I mean, Charlie Patino's struggling to break in. Miguel Aziz struggled last season, went out on loan to Portsmouth, and we've seen that loan backfired. And maybe he even looks at that and goes, "What is the pathway? What is kind of has gone before at Arsenal to prove to me actually this club is the best at accelerating me through to being a, a first team player for them?" Now, it, it would be a risk regarding however it played out, but I don't think Edu really deserves much flack for this. City 
have got the body of work to, to, to go to any young player and say, look, we've got this. We're building, as you say, the Kaki, uh, Kaiki, however you pronounce his name. Apologies if I've butchered that. Julian Alvarez and this guy, they're probably looking at that and saying, look, we're beginning to build maybe our next attack in, in five years' time. And we want you to be a fulcrum and, and, and a, a real key part of that. So it is one of those, I think, where Edu probably does deserve a, a bit of slack on that. Let's concentrate on building the first team and then maybe start to look at bringing in these young players. I agree, maybe the Brazilian market hasn't been attacked as well as it could have been. Equally, we brought in the likes of Gabriel from from uh, French football, who obviously had acclimatised well and was then ready to take that step. So priority's got to be on the first team, but equally, even Martinelli, I don't really think you attribute that to, to Edu too much. That was the, the scout, wasn't it, Francis? Yeah, Francis Cajigal, yeah. Cajigal, yeah, so... Yeah, exactly. Very true. The last topic that I want to bring up is uh, an interesting one based upon the, the discussions we had yesterday about Rafael Leal of, of AC Milan being linked to Arsenal uh, and a number of teams. In fact, as the report came yesterday saying half of the Premier League is interested in, in Rafael Leal. He's definitely stepped up since moving more exclusively to the left-hand side of, of the AC Milan attack with Giroud and Slatan Ibrahimovic sharing that central striking role. Bailey... I, I mean, I got into a number of discussions with AC Milan fans yesterday who felt very aggrieved uh, about the links to Arsenal and even described it as a downgrade. I mean, I know that we're obviously biased, um, but is there any credit from the AC Milan perspective aside that uh, competing for the Serie A title this season, were in the Champions League, would knock out quite comfortably in a, in a group, I think, with Porto, Liverpool, Atletico Madrid, if my memory serves me well, um, and... I'm not sure even qualified for the Europa League. Did they finish bottom of that group? I'm not sure what happened with them in the end. I mean, I'll check while you're talking. But do you think there's any credit in that argument that it's a downgrade from AC Milan? No, not at all. Um, yeah, last season, of course, AC Milan, I think that they were finally back because they got into the Champions League. But I think that's their first Champions League. They did League finish period. bottom. Yeah, they, they did finish bottom. bottom. So they're not well. even in yeah. the European competition, just like Arsenal. And yeah, they got in the Champions League this year, but that's the first time in however long. Also, the last time Arsenal and AC Milan played against each other was in the Europa League and Arsenal swept the floor. I, feel, I believe that was in Arsenal Wenger's final year when I mm. think we won at the San Siro and then we got through at the second leg of the Emirates. So I don't think there's a difference between the two teams whatsoever. The only difference is that AC Milan have gone to one, had one Champions League season and if we do well this season and by the time we sign Rafael Leal, we could be in the Champions League next year too. So we will literally be on the same level on, on, on things. So I don't think it's a step down or even a step up. I think it's the sideways move but a good sideways move because the Premier League is a better league mm. than the Serie A sorry to say that but it is it's more competitive so it, if anything it would be a step up for Rafael a small step up but a small step up you know, a step up in my opinion Chris do you agree do you think that it would be a move that would represent uh, a step forwards in Leal's career or do you think that there's credit in suggesting that AC Milan have a more you know it's a more attractive place to be right now than Arsenal um, look, I think let's face it, if Arsenal were in the Champions League right now, um, Milan fans wouldn't have as strong uh, opinion um, on this. Uh, Arsenal is a, a huge football club uh, and despite their absence from European football this season, obviously in, in the Champions League in particular over the last few seasons, they're still one of the biggest clubs in the world. They're in the best league in the world, uh, which Bailey says, with all due respect to, to Serie A fans, it is more competitive um, and it's more exciting, um, in my opinion. And I, I think I think this would be a good move for the player. Um, he's obviously established himself 
at AC Milan. He's enjoying uh, a good season there and it looks as if he's developing um, quite well. And there will be that stage in his career where he needs to to make that next step up. And I just think, you know, for any player who who's maybe playing abroad and is, is developing well, is playing well, clearly has a lot of potential and talent. They've worked hard to, to maybe get a big move elsewhere. The Premier League is the perfect place to come and, you know, challenge yourself even further, develop y- y- yourself even more. And I think considering where we are as a squad at the moment and what we are building at Arsenal Football Club, I think it's the perfect option for him. You know, we've already got a young, talented team here who will only be getting stronger going into the future. It'll be not just because of their development and the the, the potential that they have, um, but because, you know, I, I'm sure it'll be a, a very busy summer for us and we'll get even more talent and, and quality through the door. And um, I just think it would be a great opportunity for him. I, I don't think he should be targeted as, a, as one of our main strikers. Um, you know, I remember looking at his stats from this season um, and I think he only has 10 goals and around 27 appearances or something around that. Um, and he has been mostly playing on the left-hand side um, as a winger. So, you know, maybe we're looking at him um, for a potential Pepe replacement. He would be a good option to have um, because, like I say, he's quite clearly got the talent um, and, and the quality. But I think, um, you know, I, I know he's obviously, he has filled in that centre-forward role before. I'm not sure how well he would fit in for us in that role in particular. And obviously, when we, we talk about the tempo, the physicality of the Premier League, it's a massive difference. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, look, um, obviously one to keep an eye on. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure if, if we should be looking at him to come in and, and fill that striker void at all. But um, it would be a, an mm. upgrade to come in and, and play for the Arsenal, without a doubt. Guy, Paul Guy in the chat says, ask Arsenal fans, we need to be honest. AC Milan is a much bigger club and Arsenal is no longer the draw that it used to be. Uh, how much credit do you give that thought? I mean, from my perspective, just briefly, AC Milan are historically a bigger club than Arsenal. I'm not going to sit yeah. there and debate that. that they've won oh. Champions Leagues. They're, they're one of the most successful teams in history. It's just on present day merit, is, is it a sideways, a downgrade or an upgrade move to go from one to the other? Mm. I mean, yeah, I don't want to be that guy, but before Paul's comment even dropped in, I was, I was kind of thinking, yeah. I, I, from the AC Milan perspective, I can completely see it. The seven-time champions of Europe, they're a fallen giant, so are we. They've fallen a lot further than where they were they were at to where they fell as to what we've yeah, comparatively absolutely. gone through. We're both on our way back, and I think I think if, and I wasn't a fan of it at all, but if the European Super League had come to, to fruition, I don't think an AC Milan player would probably be be looking at it going, oh yeah, I'll trade AC Milan for for Arsenal. And actually, that's kind of maybe one hidden benefit of the Super League not happening is Arsenal compete in the Super League. It's already here. It's the Premier League. And as Bailey said, he he hit the nail on the head. The thing we have that's different is, is Premier League football. We have more resource. We have more money. I mentioned it, Tom, when we were talking about Dusan Vlahovic, as much as that sends cold shivers down my back that name these days, that we do have financial might that, that Serie A clubs don't have. And should we be able to be proving to these kind of players that we're at least on track to realistically be getting back in the Champions League? And if that were to happen this season, then I think it is a draw. But the draw is that we're in Europe's elite competition and we play in the Premier League as well. I don't think it's as easy as saying, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to Arsenal over AC Milan because they are a huge, huge 
historic club, as much as Mikel Arteta will tell us all in every press conference, no player's ever told him he doesn't want to play for Arsenal. We are equally, obviously, a, a great institution and a huge pull within English football. But to say that us taking a player from, from AC Milan is a big upgrade for the player, yeah, I think that's probably tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, I agree. I think I agree with what Bailey said earlier. I don't think it's neither an upgrade nor a downgrade in a player's move, like move right now. I think it would represent enough positives, like pros and cons on either side to balance it out in regards to a move. I think it has the potential to be an upgrade in the future. It depends on which project and both have got attractive projects right now has the more potential to, to go further. You'd argue that AC Milan have a better chance of winning a title in their respective league than Arsenal do. And they're showing that this season, but the money that's available at Arsenal, the prestige of playing in the Premier League as well as the biggest league in the world. Um, and Arsenal have got intentions to try and get up to the level where they're trying to compete for titles once again. I think that's that's been made very clear from the spending that's been going on in the last uh, two to, I mean, arguably five or so years. We just haven't spent it very well, unfortunately. And we are trying to change that now. Um, I think that what will happen is that Leo will sign a new contract with AC Milan. To be honest, that seems to be the feeling that's coming out of Italy at the moment. Uh, in which case, he was awful and I never wanted him. So uh, <laughs> that's usually how these things work, isn't it? So I, I'm looking forward to seeing what players we end up obviously going for in the summer. He's a name on the list of plenty of forwards that we have been linked to. But I'm liking the fact they're being linked to kind of these goal-scoring wide forwards as well. It gives me hope that that is another area of the team that we're going to be looking to strengthen. Guy, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Chris, always a pleasure, my friend. Cheers, TC. Thanks, Bailey. Guy, thanks to everyone tuning in this morning. Pleasure as always. And Bailey, massive pleasure as per. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone, in the comment section as well. Absolutely. If you haven't done so already, please drop a like on the video and subscribe to The Arsenal. I'll be back this afternoon with another piece of content for you as well. And then we'll be back tomorrow morning for the next Arsenal Agenda show, which I believe, Bailey, you'll be doing because uh, I'm not on tomorrow. So uh, enjoy it. Um, but no, it's an absolute pleasure as always, guys. Help us to get to 10,000 subs before the end of the Premier League season. If you haven't done so already, we do match reaction shows, interviews. You get to watch Mikel Arteta's press conferences and more and see how bad me and Bailey are at Football in Real Life 2, which is always an absolute joy. See you soon, guys. Have a great one. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way. Glory line, glory line, glory line.